you have your place there in Ephesians 6, I want to remind you of what Hebrews 2, 3 says. Hebrews 2, 3 says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Those words are echoed by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, verse 17. In Hebrews chapter 2, I believe the writer of Hebrews is warning his audience of neglecting a great salvation. And at the same time, he is highlighting what a incredible gift is offered in salvation. It's a warning not to neglect salvation if you have received it as well. The Apostle Paul says, take the helmet of salvation. And today we're going to talk about why this is such a great salvation. How we wear it. How we cover our mind with it. And how it helps us win in the spiritual battle we face against the enemy. Over these last few weeks, we've talked about being battle ready by being strong in the Lord and his might by armoring up in God's armor we've scouted the enemy we looked in God's word and we see that he's a schemer he's evil his intent is to devour and destroy we have put on the breastplate of righteousness we've tightened the belt of truth we've put our shoes on of readiness in the gospel of peace Last week we talked about shielding together as a church family in faith and today we're going to put on the helmet of salvation. Ephesians chapter 6, I, I want to read for context beginning in verse 13. Ephesians 6, 13. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Today when we talk about the helmet of salvation, we are taking the fifth piece of armor. And these first five pieces of armor really represent the defensive pieces of our armor. They're what we tighten. They're what we wear. They're what we take up. They're what we put on to be able to withstand the attacks of the enemy, the fiery darts of the enemy, the schemes of the enemy, this is, they are defensive in nature. We have a shield, we have a breastplate, 
We have a belt that ties it all together. We have our feet covered, and today we're putting on the helmet. Again, it's about protection and defense. Next week, Lord willing, we'll talk about the one weapon that we have for advance against the enemy, and that's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When we talk about this piece of the armor, the helmet, it is a piece that that covers the head. If you're going into battle, you would never go into battle with just your helmet. You would never go into the battle as well without your helmet. And the helmet is symbolic there of covering our head to where the mighty blows of Satan will come to wreck our mind in our spiritual life. It's one thing to be punched in the gut and have the wind knocked out of you spiritually. It's another thing to have your foot wounded. It's another thing for truth to be loosened some, but a blow of Satan can come to the head and paralyze and destroy. And the helmet is critical. The helmet that the Apostle Paul would have had in mind would have been a helmet made of bronze and iron and leather. Historians tell us that inside these iron bronze helmets would have been sponge or some kind of felt-like material to try to make it not so difficult to wear the helmet because of it being so heavy. The helmet would have covered the head. There would have been side and cheek pieces. It would have dropped low in the back to cover the neck. Basically, just eyes being exposed. He says in verse 17, take and take the helmet of salvation. This word here that's translated take, it's translated in the ESV kind of like the rest of the places where it says put on the whole armor of God, take up the whole armor of God, take up the shield. But this particular word here uh, for take was a different Greek word that means to receive, to accept, to apply what has been given to you. And it's a a great truth for us in how we understand salvation, that salvation is not something that you work for. It's not something that you come up with. It's not something that you give enough effort to have. Salvation is for us to receive. Salvation is a gift. Salvation is offered. And we take that gift of salvation that's offered to our lives and we apply it. We wear it. We cover our mind with it. The word salvation is a word that means deliverance. It it means to rescue. And when we speak of someone being saved physically, we're talking about we were able to rescue them. We were able to deliver them. When we speak of salvation spiritually, we're talking about deliverance from sin and the pit of sin and the power of sin and the penalty of sin and we're talking about being rescued from sin that would hold us and grip us and what God has done in the gift of salvation is that he has offered to us a way 
to be rescued from the penalty and payment and power of sin. That's good news. Aren't you thankful today when you walk out of here and get ready to do Monday that heaven's not hanging in the balance based on your effort and what you do? That God's not keeping score to see if it adds up enough to say, okay, today at three, rescued. You did enough. Whoop, I got to take those three things off. We're backing you out. No. Salvation is a gift that we receive, and God has made a way for us to be reconciled to him. I want to talk about this salvation that we have through Jesus Christ, salvation from sin, this rescue from sin, with three statements. I want you to see this morning that salvation is received in the past to pay our penalty of sin. You sit here today and you're a believer, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Those three college students that were baptized just a moment ago, giving testimony of their faith in Jesus Christ, what they were saying to us that sometime in the past, however long that was, sometime in the past, they were saved. They were delivered. They were rescued. They have received salvation. And by when we talk about being saved in the past, what that means is salvation is received in the past to pay our penalty of sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Somebody's got to pay for that wage. Salvation is received in the past to pay our penalty of sin. Here's the second statement. Salvation is applied daily to break the power of sin. Saved in the past, today being saved. Today, the power of sin being broken in our life. We're to apply what Jesus has given to us in salvation in the past to our everyday life. Having the power of sin broken day by day by day in our life. And then here's the third statement. Salvation is ready to carry us into eternity away from the presence of sin. There is coming a day with our salvation, that we will enter into eternity with Jesus Christ and we will be in a place and with a person where there is no longer any presence or impact of sin. Hallelujah. So you put these three statements together and it puts us on shouting ground. I wonder if any of you have been there before. It's a good place to shout. It's a good place to say amen. Salvation is received in the past to pay our penalty of sin. Salvation is applied daily to break the power of sin. And salvation is ready to carry us into eternity away from the presence of sin. Amen. Hallelujah. How, how shall we neglect so great a salvation? What we have in the helmet of salvation is to be worn on our mind. In many ways, what the apostle Paul is saying, it just in the most literal way, take the helmet of salvation. What is he saying? Remind yourself of what you have in salvation. 
Remind yourself. Break the word apart. Remind. R-E, prefix. Do it over and over and over. Again, do what over and over? Tell your mind what Jesus Christ has done in saving you. Remind yourself daily. Remind yourself looking out at eternity. Remind yourself in the past that because of salvation, you have been rescued. So as we think of reminding ourselves of our salvation, of putting on the helmet, let me help you take some notes. If I was writing notes, which I have, I would take my piece of paper and over here I would write the word saved. Saved. And then I'd skip down just a little bit and I would write the phrase being saved. And then I would skip down a little bit and I would write will be saved. You got it? Beside the word saved, I want to ask you to write the word justification. And beside the phrase being saved, write the word sanctification. S-A-N-C-T-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. Sanctification. I hope that's right. And beside will be saved, write the word glorification. Glorification. Back up beside justification, write the word penalty. And beside the word sanctification, write the word power. And beside glorification, write the word presence. Now when we talk about salvation, we speak of being saved. What that again means, that in the past, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, by grace through faith in the work of Jesus on the cross and rising from the dead, we can be saved. And you sit here today, I would guess the great majority in this room, high, high majority in this room would look back at a date. It might be Bible school. It might be youth camp. It might be in a dorm room. It might be in a bedroom with a parent or driving down the road. You would look back and say, I called out to Jesus to save me. He came into my life. He came into my heart. He's forgiven me. I'm following him. I've been saved. Now there's a there's a, that big word that is declared in the courts of heaven of what that is, and it's justification. God declares you when you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior as justified by faith. Listen to Romans 5, 8 and 9. You can write those verse references down, Romans under justification, Romans 5. 8 and 9 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved 
by him from the wrath of God. And so we're saved, we're justified, and the result of us being justified is that the penalty of our sin has been paid. According to this verse, the wrath of God has been satisfied. And it's not because of something that you did. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done. We owed a debt we could not pay, and he paid a debt he did not owe. Saved, justified, and the penalty of sin paid for. Now, that's not all there is to salvation. Salvation for you is not just a date that you celebrate, a second birth. Salvation for us is not just being saved in the past. Salvation is being saved. Being saved now. Right here today. Yes, in the past. But even as we live today, we are being saved. That's sanctification Sanctification means to set apart, and it means to set apart with a purpose. And when we're sanctified, we are set apart with the purpose of being transformed to the likeness of Christ. Declared in heaven, righteous, justified. But day by day by day, we are, our lives are being transformed to be more and more like Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Note that verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We are living in a moment of being constantly saved. We are being sanctified. We are being transformed to Christ's likeness. Listen, success for your life is not becoming a millionaire. Success for your life is not hitting it big. Success for your life is not going viral on TikTok. Success for your life is not having America's number one business. Success for your life is not being popular. It's not trophies. Success for your life as a child of God is to be transformed to the likeness of Christ himself. We're being saved and all the affliction and all the suffering and the joy and the celebration works as spiritual sandpaper in our life to take away the flesh and take away the sin and to shape us and mold us into being more Christ-like. And in that process of sanctification, what happens is that the power of sin is broken. And every time we resist the devil and resist temptation, it takes another blow out of the power of sin. And it becomes less and less flesh, and we are crucified with, cross, with Christ. He says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. How does that work? When I look at the cross, I realize that he took my sin to the cross, and he paid for it. And I am rendering myself crucified with Christ on that cross. And day by day by day, I'm to remember my salvation that I am being saved and that by the power of the blood, sin is being broken. And then third, we'll be saved. It's not all that we've been saved. It's not all that we're being saved. The glorious news is that in the end, as we head into eternity, we will be saved. That's glorification. 
And glorification means that our positional righteousness and our practical righteousness have come together in perfect righteousness. To where one day when we see Jesus, the word says that we shall be what? Like him. We too shall be glorified. Romans 8, 28. 1 Peter 1, 5 through 9. There is a salvation ready for us at the time of death. And what happens in that time of glorification of coming together with Christ is that the presence of sin is no more. 1 John 3, 8 says the Son of God appeared. The Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. And there is coming a day for us to spend an eternity in heaven with Christ where there will no longer be any presence of sin. Now the great fruit of being, of being saved in the past, the fruit of being saved presently as we live, and the fruit of the confidence of knowing that we will be saved in the end because of Jesus, the great fruit of that is the absence of fear. And what the enemy does is attacks our mind in this area of salvation and he, he comes at us with fiery darts and he, he, he attempts to create some kind of spiritual amnesia in our mind where we forget what we have in salvation. We forget what God is doing in salvation. We forget what God's going to do in eternity in salvation and we fear because of the attacks of the enemy and some you today would know to be true that you walk into this room fearful. You walk into your classes fearful. You walk into conversations fearful. You, you, you look at night when you lay down to go to sleep. You're fearful of death. Fearful in these days of rejection. Fearful of not being approved. You're fearful of missing out. Fearful of being left out. Just fearful. My friend David Landreth, who's now in heaven, taught me that Fear is faith in the enemy. And when we live with fear, we're demonstrating a faith that is more in the enemy than in our Heavenly Father. The great fruit of letting this assurance settle in, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, today let it set in in our heart. This fruit of being saved, of being of saved in the past, of being saved now, and being saved in the future. The great fruit is confidence in Christ. We put on our helmet and we stand against the enemy. In the game of football, you know if you watch it now that if you lose your helmet, you're coming out of the game. You know also that if you take off your helmet on the field of play, you're coming out of the game. Nobody asked me about those rules, but I think about it and I wonder why, why is that? It hasn't always been that way. Just in my own working it out mind, I think one is for protection. You lose your helmet on the field, you're coming out. You've got to get it back on. And you're going to lose time. If you take it off, it's not, just, it's not for protection. It's to keep you from drawing attention to yourself. You don't have a chance to, for the world to see your face. 
know who you are while you're on the field of play. I think about that spiritually. I think the Apostle Paul knew that we needed every day to have the helmet of salvation on and that there was no time in the field of play that we could take it off and it's for our own protection. We need to remind ourselves of our salvation. But also, I think it could be that we could make the application that if we keep the helmet of salvation on, it reminds us that we don't save ourselves and this story is not about us. It's about what Jesus has done. It's not for our fame. It's for his fame. One statement that I want to make sure I say this morning as I finish here is this. We rest from work. We can never rest from war. We rest from work, but we can never rest from war. What Paul is doing here in these verses is teaching us and telling us that every moment of our life we're in a battle and there is no time to live with our guard down and in this case with our helmet off. In Nehemiah there is that story where the children of Israel are rebuilding the walls and as they build the walls they've got a hammer in one hand and they've got a weapon in the other. And it's such a picture for us as we go about sharing the gospel, living our life, taking care of our families, doing life that we are, we are living. But at the same time, we must be clothed in the armor of God because the enemy never rests. We never know. We have to be on our guard. Today, have you been saved? Has there been a time in the past where you called out to Jesus to be saved? Why not do it now? And look back on this day and know my date in the past, February of 2022. So that tomorrow you could begin living, being saved. And so that when eternity comes, you can experience forever saved. And I'm praying right now today, if Satan has won victory in your life for the lack of assurance... That the Spirit of God might flood your soul today with assurance and open your eyes to any false assurance. Let's pray together. Father, we bow before you and we thank you for this great salvation. And I pray, Lord, that we would not be forgetful. I pray that every moment, every day, we'd wear the helmet of salvation with the rest of the army. I pray for people in this room today that need to be saved, that they would call out to you today for forgiveness and turn to you with their whole heart. And I pray you'd give them the courage and the boldness to tell somebody or talk to somebody about it and even someday soon to be baptized. We need you, Lord. We celebrate you, Lord. We're grateful to you, Lord. For so great a salvation. In Jesus name.